Welcome everyone to this week's ICEJ webinar. Uh, we uh, come to you from our headquarters here in Jerusalem. I'm David Parsons, one of the vice presidents and senior spokesman for the Christian Embassy. And uh, we've been taking a break from some of the weekly webinars, ho holding it only once a month right now. But uh, it's the first Thursday uh, of September, so it's time to have our weekly webinar. And we've got a very hot topic today, our Israel-Christian relations in crisis. And we want to use this to try and uh, give a little context to why the Christian embassy recently went public with our visa troubles with Israel's Ministry of Interior uh, and, uh, and try and explain how this developed, uh, and, uh, but also go into how some of the media have sort of exploited it for their own reasons to say that this is a government policy of Prime Minister Netanyahu and his coalition, and we'll uh, get into this, that our visa troubles were well before that, it, and it really isn't this government but it got mixed in with all the reports about harassment of Christians and such. And we just want to put some good, solid context and tell everyone, don't worry, God is in control, and Israel-Christian uh, relations are still better than they've ever been. And our guests to help us with this, our own Dr. Jürgen Bueller, president of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. Good to see you back. Friday. Yes, good to be back. Good to see you back from your trip to Germany and, and your surgeries, and we're glad you're doing better. Praise the Lord. We're getting ready for the feast. Lots that was to just one surgery. I had an eye surgery, but all is well, yeah. Amen. Okay. And our other guest, uh, uh, Josh Reinstein, he's the director of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus also director of the Israel Allies Foundation that oversees all the sister caucuses in uh, 53 countries now, Josh. Good to see you. Yeah, 53 countries next week. <laughs> okay, in Moldova. Moldova, we're launching next week. That's uh, an exclusive. It hasn't been released yet. But... Okay. All right, we got a scoop already. <laughs> all right, I think uh, this is going to be a good exchange. I'll start, uh, Jurgen. With you, uh, give us a little background on how our visa troubles developed, why we went public, and where we are now. Yeah, first of all, I think you said it in the beginning, we have to state that uh, Jewish-Christian relations today, I believe they are so good like never before in history. Um, it was the late uh, President Shimon Peres, who I remember in one of the reception for Christian leaders, he says, we never had so good relationship with the Christian community than today. And I think in spite of all the uh, little turmoils that we see right now in turbulences, uh, the, the total sum of it that we are at an amazing point of history where Jews and Christians are working, working together like never before, where the prime minister himself, Mr. Netanyahu, repeatedly states that uh, evangelical Christians are Israel's best friend. But what happened then? It started uh, during the COVID season, uh, which not only brought a global pandemic, but also a massive turbulence to the Israeli political scene, where you had, within three years, you had five different governments. And if you understand a little bit how governments are operating, is that they usually they take a leave three months before the election. They focus on the election campaign. They need another three months until they are fully back into office and can deal with the matters. And what happened, this was 
every half year we had a new government. That means there was, uh, we have to say also that Christian visas are not the super top priority of any government in Israel. There are much more pressing issues. So we will probably on the top level level probably being dealt with in the right way over the last two, three years. And what it led to is that some lower level bureaucrats, they took over the reign and they caused some troubles. They felt some of them that Christians shouldn't be here. They suspected everybody who is here as an evangelical might be a missionary. So it caused some challenges for us. And we were very hopeful that when the government of Prime Minister Netanyahu came in with a massive majority that within a short time he would, because he's a friend of evangelical Christians, you know it, that he would rein in and make sure that those visa issues are being resolved. And this wasn't the case. Uh, on the contrary, last year it was for the first time really difficult to bring uh, uh, volunteers and even sometimes uh, pilgrims to the feast. Uh, some of the key people of our staff, we are here, you can see them, with our TV department, uh, the, two of the critical people, they're still waiting for the visas to come in. And uh, it was a challenge for us to really operate, especially now in a season that is leading to the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the most busy season in the year for us. And we felt we need to bring the attention of the public to that. Uh, we are there to bless Israel, to stand with Israel. And it can be that uh, we can't be operational and just because of some technicalities in the Ministry of Interior. And that's why we went public. Yeah, I, I know that uh, for Israelis, it's like a national pastime to complain about the the tax authority here and also the Ministry of Interior. There are a lot of, say, American Jews complaining they couldn't get into the country for bar mitzvahs and weddings and all during COVID and such. But uh, we also had uh, the head of the population registry who oversees our visa. He left in late 2019, and uh, without him being properly replaced by someone with a broad view and all, some bureaucrat really started squeezing us out of these visas until our attorney said, go, let's go public. Yeah, and you have to say that we are, in a way, you can call us a strange animal here in Israel. We are a religious organization. It's a faith-based diplomacy, what we do, whatever we are doing to bless Israel. Uh, the motivation springs out of the Bible. However, we are not a church here. Mm -hmm. So for somebody in the Ministry of Interior, uh, they wonder why do they need clergy visas? Why do, why do they need this or that type of visa? So the, it's very hard for them to really figure out really what those organizations are. And the previous head of the population registry uh, his name was Mr. Amos Albel. He really had a, a full grasp, thanks also to the uh, hard work of Josh Reinstein, who helped him really to understand who we are. And he came out with a brilliant solution that I think made everybody happy. And we hope that we can come back to that. Yes. Uh, we, we did talk to him this week, and he said that the policy he set in place, it was a government policy involving several an interministerial committee, so the the foreign ministry, the tourism ministry, it took them months to work out a certain policy, and some mid-level clerk really can't uh, change that. And uh, Josh, you might want to step in here. We we have a meeting next week with the Ministry of Interior, the new head of the population registry. We think we're going to be able to work out a solution. We're hopeful very quick, but uh, we tried to make clear to the media this isn't really about this 
new Netanyahu government. It's a problem we've been facing for about th over three years. But uh, in the media, it sort of got mixed in with all the harassment of Christians and all and blamed all this government. But uh, can you give us some context? Well, I think the 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 topic of the conversation is a little bit comical. Is uh, you know, are Christians in Israel in crisis? Because I echo what Chirgan said. This is the best relationship we've ever had between the state of Israel and the Christian world. I mean, if you just look at the last week, we had the Prime Minister of Israel stand up and say the best friends in the world are evangelical Christians. I mean, that's that's unprecedented. And then yesterday, you were with me at the event. The Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea moved his embassy to Jerusalem. He got up and he said, look, I'm Christian. As a Christian, you can't, you can't lie to yourself and say Jerusalem is not the capital. We know it. We know the Bible. So we're going to move our capital to Jerusalem. So faith-based diplomacy, Christian support for Israel, and the recognition of that by the government of Israel is in an unprecedented high. Uh, and so what we're seeing now is really incredible support. You know, we mentioned uh, uh, just recently that we're launching our 53rd caucus. These are Christian members of parliament take their biblical support and turn it into real political action. We have 1,500 legislators around the world. We have seven countries in the last six months saying they're going to move their embassy to Jerusalem. We have anti-BDS legislation. The whole reason that we have observer status in the African Union is because of Christian nations. So really, Christian and, and Israel relations are at an all-time high. And I think Jurgen did a really good job explaining the situation. And this isn't the first time it's happened. You know, we started the caucus, the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus in 2004. We probably had three or four of these periods where someone in the Ministry of Interior decides to take it on themselves to change the rules, and then we have to bring them in, and we have meetings in the Knesset, and then they have meetings in the Tourism Ministry and the Foreign Ministry, and they figure it out. Uh, so we've gone through this before. This is an unfortunate part of a bureaucracy. This is why people complain about Israeli bureaucracy all the time. It's definitely not a targeted move against Christians. It's definitely not a government policy. If anything, this government's probably more pro-Christian than anyone we've had before. Uh, but what, but I also believe that it was a smart strategy to go and bring it to the people of Israel and let them know what's going on. And the reason it was a smart strategy is because also the people of Israel love Bible-believing Christians. The people of Israel appreciate what Christians are doing. So the minute it went out to the press, the reason it was effective is because everyone in Israel is like, what? Our best friends and this is what's happening to them? If it was a crisis, then people in Israel would be like, oh, okay, we don't really care, and then it wouldn't be effective strategy. And I believe that the, this will put a lot of momentum for it to get a solution very fast so that people who may not have known the issue because of what Jurgen said, you know, five governments, three years, different people involved, now will be like, hey, I, we need to fix this because these are our good friends, the Christians. I know that uh, part of the delay, there is a, a new head of the population registry put in place but I think he's been preoccupied with a, a backlog of Israeli uh, applications for new passports during COVID and even after COVID. They couldn't get people back to work in order to print new passports. But uh, he's been sort of focused on that. And but we, you know, losing staff, people who are waiting there for two or three years. When can you get me back in? Uh, we just felt it was time to to try and accelerate this and. Uh, We'll see how it goes uh, next week, but thank you to the to you and the caucus and all all the work uh, that you do there and uh, all the members of the Knesset. It's still the largest caucus in the Knesset. Yeah, we have uh, eighteen members uh, from six political parties, left to right, religious, secular. Um, there's a new appreciation for Christian support for Israel that we haven't seen. You know, every ministry in Israel now has a department of Christian affairs. Uh, 
education ministry, tourism ministry, foreign ministry, prime minister's office, they all reach out to Christians now because they've seen that Christians, not countries, are standing with Israel. It's, it's always Christians. You know, if you look at the seven countries that are saying they're going to move their embassy to Jerusalem this year, whether it be Sierra Leone or Liberia or Fiji or Hungary or uh, any of them, it's all comes from a Bible-believing Christian support and campaign. And so people understand the importance of Christians. And that's why I think that when you went to the media, um, a lot of people woke up and said, hey, is this really going on? Because you're right, this isn't like trivial. This is very serious. I mean, you need staff to do what you're doing. But what are you doing? You're blessing Israel. You're supporting Israel. You're standing with Israel. So it's very important for the state of Israel that you have the staff to get that job done too. There's not many organizations that can do that, obviously. So for us, it's, it's an imperative, but I think this kind of woke everyone up. And I do believe that in the next few weeks, it will be taken care of. Yeah. This uh, Prime Minister of Papua, uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, James uh, Marape, I tell you last night when they opened their embassy, his statement of uh, their primary reason is faith, their faith. He said, my Christianity, our, our, as a nation, our Christianity is not complete unless we recognize Jerusalem as the universal capital of, uh, of Israel and the Jewish people is quite powerful. Very powerful. I think he called out a lot of other leaders out there. I mean, there are leaders who claim to be Christians and believe in the Bible. Where are you? you know, and that was really his statement. He's like, if you're really a Christian, then how can you be against King David's capital? How can you refuse the, the idea that Jerusalem, the capital of King David and King Solomon, is not Israel's capital? And, and, and it's, it's true. And that's why faith-based diplomacy is so effective for Israel, because all you have to do is open up the, the Bible and everything becomes very clear. Whose land is it? Who belongs here? And what's going on? Okay. We're going to sort out these uh, visa issues. Uh, it's not really this government uh, uh, that, that is the, the root of that problem, but they're going to be the solution to it in the coming days. But we do have this uh, broader context that there has been an increase in attacks on uh, historic uh, Christian clergy in the old city. Uh, uh, there were gravestones, uh, I think 30-some gravestones in a Protestant cemetery on Mount Zion that were uh, destroyed, a graf awful graffiti, very horrific graffiti in a, um, um, a monastery in the Armenian mm -hmm. quarter a statue of Jesus in, a, in the Church of the Flagellation on the Via della Rosa that's a Jewish man went in, toppled over, and tried to beat it, uh, beat the statue in the face and, and such. And, and then, Jurgen, you uh, have been to two events recently where uh, there were very strident protests against the presence of evangelicals and, and, and such. Yeah, you, you do see that uh, there is a segment, and I think they are a minority, but they are a very loud and outspoken minority in Israel uh, that is maybe not so happy also about this new growing together and coming together of evangelical Christians and the state of Israel. And uh, because maybe of Christian anti-Semitism over the last 2,000 years, which of course is a a very tragic and horrific history and burden that we carry on our shoulders. They just don't like Christians. And even uh, some of the evangelical Christians in the old city, if you talk to the people in Christchurch, David Pilegi, they have reports of their own people being spitted on as they are going to church, etc. So there is something that we feel it is growing in the land. I was 
um, at two events um, after, um, yeah, it was in spring this year, uh, where I went just as a participant, as a part of the Christian community here. And for the first time, I really witnessed two very hateful protests that were targeted at events that were no, there was no missionary intent on those events, but they were just targeted for Christians, a Christian worship console and a prayer event at the Western Wall. And I never honestly witnessed such a hatred here in Islam, and I was shocked. I, I understand that it is a, a minority and a fringe in, in Israel, but I felt, and I'm concerned a bit also about the Feast of Tabernacles, if something like that repeats itself, that this might have a negative impact on the pilgrims that will be coming to the feast, that they don't feel welcome here in Israel. And that is something that raised my concern that is taking place. And I feel it's important for the government to understand that, of course, Israel is a democratic country. We see every week people are standing on the streets demonstrating about all kinds of issues, so they have the full right to do that also. But at the same time, uh, I hope and I pray that this will not damage also Jewish-Christian relations. Josh, we were talking earlier this week that you had a certain uh, uh, explanation on why at these two particular protests, one on uh, Pentecost Sunday at the Southern Steps below on the South End of Temple Mount, and then at the Kalal building on uh, near the Shuk on Jaffa Road, uh, that people were right in their face, yelling, spitting, people getting knocked over, kicked, that uh, this uh, really was a reflection of what some on the left are doing in these anti-reform protests, and maybe they took advantage of it. Well, I'll explain what's about it. This uh, situation is obviously a lot more serious, and we need to take it serious because uh, it is now just protest, but it could escalate. There is a very small group. It's not a, a minority. It's a, it's an extreme minority, and and we have that in Judaism too. You know, we have the Turi Karta that protest all the time against Israel, and they're friends with Iran, and they they're for nuclear Iran to wipe Israel off the map. I mean, there's very weird sects in Judaism, and and this is one of them. It's a very small group. It's something that we've been in, encountered in the past. If you remember uh, 2004 when we started the caucus and Jurgen, you were there, uh, this group uh, attacked Rabbi Benny Alon, uh, Shalom, uh, who's one of the top rabbis of Israel time, minister of tourism. The government said he was a missionary for working with Christians. So, um, but recently, obviously in the last 15 years, we haven't heard from them. And, and a lot of us thought they retired or they left, or um, but now they're back. And the reason they're back is because of the new regulations that are happening with protests in Israel. So we have protest laws in Israel. And so you can't block streets. You can't get in people's faces. You can't cause, uh, you know, uh, threats to people. But because of these uh, um, judicial reform protests, they've actually allowed all that stuff to happen. So the other side, the other people are saying, oh, if they can do it, then we can do it. And, and unfortunately, where they chose to do it, was at these two events. Now, it, it wasn't that Jurgen happened to be at two of the events that were t targeted. These were the two events that were targeted. It's not like they were like 50 and Jurgen was at two of them. Those were the actual two events that were targeted. Um, and it's something that we have to keep an eye on. It's something we have to be vigilant about. I think that the, the fact that the president of Israel came out, made a very strong statement against it is very important. Other members of the parliament, the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, uh, has condemned this. Um, but this is a very isolated, small group of people and I think what we really need to do is we need to enforce the laws that are on the books against protests because uh, this is happening now with Christians. 
We're seeing this happen now with uh, Imbrian communities like the Atreans, that they riot against each other and, and said, oh, if they can do this, we can do this. And this is going to happen with a lot of different segments in society. If you can't have one group enforce laws and another group non-enforce laws, so we have laws to protect. And of course, it's democracy. If you want to protest, you can protest. But they should be, you know, 20 feet out <laughs> on their own side of the, the, the street. And I think it's gotten escalated because of what we're seeing. Uh, and we're keeping an eye on it. We hope it doesn't uh, escalate further from these two uh, events that happened in the spring. Um, but again, uh, we've got to take it with a grain of salt. This is the only country where Christians have rights in the whole Middle East. We're the only country where the Christian population grows every year instead of decreases. We're the only cu country where you have clergy rights and clergy visas and uh, congregations and you can pray anywhere you want except for the Temple Mount because of the Muslim walk. Uh, you, th so uh, w the, this is our worst, if this is our worst case scenario, then it's actually pretty good compared to where, where we are today. Um, but again, you know, there's always room for improvement and we're keeping an eye on it. And I have to say that uh, I think two or three days after the second protest, I was at an event at the Knesset at the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. And I think there were four members of Knesset. The speaker, uh, the Knesset. speaker of the Knesset was there. And they all, with very clear words, they condemned those uh, demonstrations and those riots. And that was a great relief to me that the, to see that the top echelon of the Israel leadership really doesn't represent anything of that what that was taking place. Yeah, right. I mean, you're, you're talking about like 50, 60 people. We're not talking about, you know, thousands of people coming out to the streets against us. This is a very small group of people. Um, but yeah, yeah it, because there was a change in, in how you can protest, they're taking advantage of it. So I think that going back to the way it was before would be the right, right move. Um, and I also think that uh, leaders still need to come out and speak out. I think more rabbis need to speak out against this. Uh, because um, this is a, a, a serious issue. The, the deputy mayor uh, of Jerusalem, Fur Hassan Nahum, has been working on this, working behind the scenes to get. She got one of the chief rabbis, I think, uh, was it the Sephardi chief rabbi, to speak out against a very important. I think one of the things that we should do is actually meet with uh, the former chief rabbi, Mayor Lau. He seems to be like the authority on these type of things, and he's very supportive of Christian support for Israel. I've spoke to him about several times. I think a statement from him would go a long way um, to, to easing some of these t tensions. But I think one of the big problems that we're seeing now is that there are a lot of people also on the Christian side in the media and the Jewish side in the media trying to conflate all these issues. So they're like, oh, the visa problems for the, the Christian embassy and the protests. And, and there was another issue that I forgot what it was, but there was nothing. They're all linked together as part of a, a plan to like stop Christians and Christians are under attack. And. And I think that's just dishonest. I mean, it's just not happening. And the people who are doing these things and putting out these messages have an agenda. You know, they're sensationalists. They want to either get Christians to break from, you know, traditional Bible-believing Christian support for Israel, or they want to get people to come more to their website and, and, and talk about it. Oh, I remember what the third one was. There was this crazy story that there is going to be a law that Christians can't talk about Christianity in Israel, which anyone who lives here knows that's impossible. We have freedom of speech. And the Prime Minister of Israel had to actually tweet saying, this is a fake news story. But look who was, was spreading it. There were Christian websites. There were Jewish websites. I must have gotten 1,500 calls that week from Christian leaders around the world saying, what's going on in Israel? So we have to take this all with a grain of salt. Christian relations between Israel and the Christian world has never been better before. Uh, and what we're seeing now are very small uh, incidents that are isolated 
Uh, now, we can always do better. We need to take a look at them. We need to see how we can fix them. But they're definitely, this is not a pattern. This isn't something that is a campaign by the government of Israel or any other outside organization to go against Christians. And I think it's very dangerous that other people are trying to present it that way. But they'll be exposed as frauds. Uh, eventually, people will see that this, straight, this relationship will get stronger and stronger and stronger. No one can stop it now. I, I think it is important to put all these things into context every separate event. I know President uh, Isaac Herzog showed up with the uh, commissioner of police, the national police commissioner in Haifa at this monastery, the Stella Maris Monastery, which apparently it's uh, supposed to be the tomb of Elisha, the, who came after Eli the prophet Elijah. Elisha may be buried there, has some maybe connection to the prophet Elijah. But there was a small, very strange Jewish sect that was trying to go in there. It's maintained by some uh, Orthodox. It's a uh, Orthodox monastery, and they were forcing their way in to pray. And uh, maybe they were just trying, uh, taking advantage of the overall atmosphere. And but to for the president to show up there with the police commissioner, it was an important signal. You also had this incident on uh, uh, Mount Tabor, the, the traditional mount of. Transfiguration up in the Galilee, where they have an annual event there that's been drawing a few thousand Christians, and they couldn't hold it this year. Uh, and, and the reports were that Israel banned it. But the context is that Israel has sort of cracked down on big public events because of the Mount Moron disaster. Explain that a little. So I'm not so familiar with this issue, but I know that events up there, there was uh, many people who died uh, because it's not secure, the area. And if you get too many people up there, um, it's very dangerous. So I think this was a, a public health issue. But just to go back to what you said before, you know, imagine that there was a protest against Christians in America and the president and the head of the FBI come there to show support against it. You would never have that. I mean, the, the fact that we're taking it this seriously is a really good sign that, you know, we understand how important our Christian allies are. And I think the people who are trying to undermine that, that is really what, what the problem is, because there are people, good people around the world who are sitting around and be like, oh, no, is, is, is there a crisis between Christians and the state of Israel? And the truth is there isn't. It's, it's not a real thing. Yeah. And uh, we have to say... Prime Minister Netanyahu has voiced appreciation for Christian Zionist support, even said it, it helped birth Jewish political Zionism. And, and President Herzog, when he first ran for Knesset, he was a member of the Knesset Christian Allies. He was a founding member of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus in 2004 when we launched it. I mean, uh, and, and again. He enthusiastically joined to engage with Christians, even though he was from the left, from labor. Yeah, and we had people, we had people from Shas, from the extreme Orthodox movement, or not extreme, but the ultra-Orthodox movement. We had people from Maris, from the extreme left in the caucus, and we always have, because it's not a partisan issue. There isn't a, a big part of the segment of society that says, oh, we shouldn't work with Christians. We're talking about a handful of very extreme fringe groups that are doing these type of things. And yeah, it's, it's serious. We need to see how do we stop it. But you know, when you ha there's very few things that Israelis agree on in this country. And one of them is how important Christian support for Israel is. So uh, I just think that it's, it's a little silly that that's the focus of so many... Uh, you know, news reports and, and uh, articles and radio shows. And, uh, you know, you can you even can read it in the Jerusalem Post. They're printing out articles, you know, trying to fan the flames, which is shocking. You know, they they know what's going on. So it, it's really interesting to see how this is getting uh, legs of its own. I, 
Yeah. I, I think also, you know, what's happening around the world is that you have the media, or that this is the most right-wing government in the history of Israel. You have Mr. Ben Gvir being part of that government, uh, which has a reputation of being a little bit more on the extreme side of the government. Uh, but his party, I think Mr. Smotrich, he was part for many years of the Christian Allies Caucus, oh, yeah. who is there. But uh, there is a closeness of Ben Gvir and some of those people who are demonstrating. Can you comment on that a little bit? That I, 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 that is the sort of heart of the issue that this suspicion that some of the these uh, this there is a definite increase of the attacks, and it's because some people feel that if they they're they're a little freer to do these things, that Ben Gvir, as a head of basically public security, the national police that he'll have their back in some way and, and they feel a little more emboldened Let, to do it. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't know Itamar Ben-Gvir. Um, I, I'd, I've never even like sat down with him before, but I was at the event that the government did for the um, Christian Media Summit. The GPO. The GPO, and you were there, yeah, and you asked him point blank. Yeah. You know, what's, and, and he said publicly in front of all the cameras. I grew up some. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they, he said that about his past of being conservative, but when you asked about Christians, you said in front of everyone, I believe that Christian support for Israel is important. I believe that that's something that's important to me. So he's not like, you know, wavering on this issue either from what I see. Again, I don't know him personally. Now, you bring up Betzal Snutrich. He's one of the best friends that Christians around the world have. I mean, he works with people all over the world to develop political support for Israel with Christians. And he inherited the party of Rabbi Benny alone, one of the founders of the Israel Allies Foundation, the chairman of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, who was always, you know, attacked for that. So the religious Zionist movement is definitely on the side of Christians. I would say they're probably the most supportive of anyone in the government, maybe except for the, you know, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and, and people, some of the ministers out there. But they are some of the most supportive of Christian support. Um, but again, I think a lot of this campaign to try to make it look like there's a coordinated move against Christians is because a lot of people are upset that Christians aren't involved in the judicial reform uh, movement against judicial reform not taking a stand on judicial reform. And so this is a way to say, hey, if we don't, if, if the Supreme Court isn't in charge of Israel anymore and the parliament has power and it's a right-wing government, then who's going to protect Christians? And, and I think that's not a real argument. And I think most Christians see through it because this government is, as I said before, one of the most pro-Israel governments we've ever sat. Now look, uh, pro-Christian governments we've ever had. Now look, also the opposition's very pro-Christian. I mean, when, when, when Yair Lapid was the president of the prime minister of Israel or the foreign minister of Israel. He went to real big lengths to meet with all Christian leaders, with Christian delegations. He hosted the, the Israel Allies Foundation Chairman's Conference that we co-sponsored last year. I mean, uh, it's not like it's a one-party issue. This is every major party in Israel. And so I, I don't think that there's anything in the mainstream or even in the right wing or the left wing that's anti-Christian. We're talking about a small fringe. And again, if if this was a new phenomenon, then uh, then I would say, oh, wait, what's going on? We had the same battle 15 years ago when they came after. They said that there shouldn't be a Knesset Christian Allies Caucus. They came after Rabbi Ben Alone. They were picketing the ICJ. It's the same group. They just went underground for 15 years because it was so unpopular and they weren't able to do anything because of our laws against protest. Now those laws are changed. They're like, oh, this is our chance. Yeah. I know uh, you, you mentioned uh, Rabbi Benny Alon of Blessed Memory, and uh, you know uh, Yuri Stern founded the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus. 
uh, Benny Alon then chaired it, then David... Uh, Dudu Rotem. David Rotem, Dudu Rotem, uh, then other chairmen and, and such up to Yuli Edelstein and, and uh, um, Sharon Eskel, the co-chairs right now. Uh, governments come and go, prime ministers, members of Knesset, five elections in three years. I Israel started uh, changing governments like Italy in a, in a way. But Josh, you've been a constant and a, a point of stability and for us in, in Christian relations with is uh, official Israel. And we have to thank you and commend you for that. No, no, I think your leadership in a way is... Uh, key to that whole process that we are describing that yeah like david said you know you had so many different governments but you remained there as a constant fixture that with the christian allies caucus uh, always assuring that i think it's historically always the biggest uh, caucus in the knesset and uh, i remember the last uh, opening of the caucus in the knesset uh, you had a record number of knesset people speaking there they were joining us for the entire meeting. It was a highly successful meeting, which underlines what you said, that this current government, uh, more like the previous government, showed their support for evangelical uh, Christian support for Israel. Well, another constant uh, since 2004 is the two of you. I mean, you were at the first inaugural meeting in 2004 at the Knesset, and you, you should be uh, pretty proud to see how the relationship has changed since then. It wasn't an easy thing to launch the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, in 2004. People didn't want to do it. People were nervous about working with Christians. That's not the case today. If anything, everyone wants to chair the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus. It's the most popular caucus. And it's a lot because of the support we're seeing from Christians and organizations like Christian Embassy, which is a global partner of ours around the world. We're seeing incredible results. Faith-based diplomacy is the most effective weapon we have in our diplomatic arsenal today. It's responsible for 90% of our diplomatic successes. Uh, including, as I mentioned before, Jerusalem embassies popping up, anti-BDS legislation, you know, recognition by other countries. So, of course, people who don't have Israel's best interests at heart are going to try to undermine that. I mean, that's just politics, unfortunately. Uh, and you kicked something off, you know, the Christian Allies Caucus uh, started at this, I think it was the same year when you suddenly had the Christian Friends of Yad Vashem uh, the Christian division of the Jerusalem Post. Now you have the Christian Friends of Magandavi. I think almost every organization today have Christian Friends, and it started with the caucus. Absolutely. Uh, we, it, you know, it was a sea change. We, we saw this new relationship between Jews and Christians in the 21st century. Once the leadership of Israel took the stand to start the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, all the government ministries followed, all the major organizations, even APAC has a Christian department now in America. You know, like, these all the major Jewish organizations around the world work with Christians because they take their step and role from what the leadership of Israel do, and 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 that's what we do, and it it's proven to be very successful. So unfortunately, there are a lot of people who want to undermine that on the Christian side and the Jewish side, and we see it all the time. Uh, but uh, it's getting stronger and stronger, and that's why I, I said at the beginning, the is it is Christian and and Israel relations under crisis? I mean, that's 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 just silly. Where We've never had this type of support and relationship before uh, to the to the extent that at the top levels of leadership, there's such a strong bind based on our Judeo-Christian values. You know, when I used to go to political leaders at the uh, to political leaders at the beginning, it was all politics. Do you know what portion of my conversations with politicians in Israel and abroad is about the Bible now? 
I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's a sea change in itself. You know, it used to be, no, this is politics. We'll talk about Bible on our spare time. Now it's really in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. You can't get elected in some countries if you don't uh, support Israel around the world now. And it's all because of faith-based diplomacy. We see this even at a feast this year that for the first time we see a, a big number of government leaders. Uh, we might even have one or two presidents coming, but definitely quite a number of members of parliament. They don't come for a political mission here. They come because they want to worship God in Jerusalem. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's really it's really trickled into all segments of political uh, apparatuses around the world. And in Israel, uh, our joint conference coming up in November, the chairman's conference that we do together, um, is also a testament. It's become the biggest Christian conference in Israel. It's attended by the prime minister and the foreign minister. Uh, we have our uh, chairman from all the caucuses come to Israel for a policy conference. And a lot of it is just, you know, spiritual rejuvenation, understanding what's happening on the ground. And that's why we do it as partnerships with actual ministries. We don't partner with, you know, uh, political organizations on this. We want them to understand that because they're Christians and stand with Israel and are able to turn on political uh, success, there's a real blessing behind that. And we'll be uh, co-sponsoring the chairman's conference that you have in November when you bring how, how many... Uh chairs and, and other members of parliament, how many nations represented it? We have about 25 nations represented this time. We have uh, two uh, members of Congress who are the chairs of our uh, congressional caucus. We have uh, from Canadian parliament, we have about 12 from uh, Europe, uh, five from Africa, six from Latin America. So it's going to be a, a really impressive gathering again. Uh, and, you know, we do this every year. Um, but the fact that there's a faith-based aspect to it is what really makes it a powerful event. And some of your issues that, that they're working on in coordination with your moving embassies, anti-BDS legislation. And the threat of Iran. The threat of Iran, yeah. of course. Okay. Josh, while we have you, we know that uh, you have your uh, finger on the pulse of uh, what's happening in the government. We have the Knesset recess, it will be over soon, the high holidays, but the government will be back in, the judicial reform uh, protests and, and the whole uh, initiative to get it through uh, is, is going to be back on the agenda. There's also the uh, some of the ultra-Orthodox parties have said, we're going to leave the government if we don't get this heredity draft bill. Can you give us some prediction, what to expect? I know people like to know, what can you expect over the next two to three months uh, in, in this whole big drama playing out between the left and right here. Well, you, you know that I don't like to get into internal issues because, you know, I work with the left, I work with the right, I work with everyone. Um, but just from the outside, I can tell you that, you know, this is an internal debate. This is uh, a big fight. We don't have a constitution. And because of that, um, the right believes that the Supreme Court has taken powers that no other Supreme Court in the world have. I mean, they're self-electing, they legislate from the bench. Uh, they can uh, overturn laws. Um, there's a big case coming up. They said, you know, even basic laws now they can overturn. Maybe yes, maybe no. We don't know. That will add some steam to the to to what's going on. But on the on the other side of the uh, of the side, they you know they want the status quo. They're worried. You know, the the country's becoming more religious, more conservative, and they're saying, look, you know, we've been in charge for a long time. We got the Supreme Court here. We're not going to give that up without a fight. And so. In every government, it's opposition against uh, coalition. And depending where you are on the political map, you'll be with one of them. You know, you'll either be more to the center left or to the center right, depending where, where you are on this issue. Uh, that being said, what I find uh, shocking is that other governments 
and people who don't live in Israel have taken upon themselves to comment on this. It's none of their business. It has nothing. It's like we would say, well, I don't know about the Supreme Court decision in, in about religious freedoms in America. And then why is the president in America saying this about the Supreme Court? What is it our business to say what's happening in America when it comes to um, democracy? And so uh, that's what's really shocking about this. Everyone seems to feel that they have a stake in the game, which they don't. Israel, no matter what happens, will be a vibrant democracy. Um, protests will continue. Uh, my prediction is that even if they drop the, 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 um, the judicial reform, we'll still see protests against the government. We saw it before when Bibi was in jail. It was just called the anti-government protest, uh, the black flag protest. We'll always see probably there's a lot of protests in this country. People love to protest. I don't know why. I don't know where they have the time to do it all, but they protest. So well, it's not going to go away. It's always going to be protest no matter what happens to judicial reform. Um, I don't, uh, I, I, I see that this game between the Haredi and uh, who want the, the draft issue and the government as something as more of a game of chicken. Um, who's going to blink first? I don't think this government's going to fall. And everyone's been predicting the fall of this government since it was established last year. This is a very strong government. And it is because there's just so many people of like opinions. The most uh, left-wing person in the government today is Prime Minister Netanyahu, <laughs> ironically, because he's seen as a conservative you know, leader. So everyone else in the government pretty much agree on you know, most of the major issues going forward. And because of that, it's very strong. Now, we also have a very united opposition. So the opposition is very united, and, and they don't want to sit with this government. They don't want to sit with Benjamin Netanyahu. They have their own issues with him about different issues not pertaining to judicial reform. So I just think uh, it's going to be a lot of the same, with a lot of people like yelling and screaming and protesting with not really much change on the ground. There is a big showdown next week, uh, 12th of September, in the Israel Supreme Court. They're going to Hear some of these petitions against the reasonableness law, one of the uh, judicial reform provisions that the Netanyahu government did pass, and the court is going to rule whether uh, the the parliament, the Knesset, can strip the court of some of its power in how it reviews government decisions. It is a a real Donnybrook over uh, constitutional powers in a country that doesn't have a set constitution but does have the framework for one. So we'll. Stay tuned, everyone, for that next week. Jurgen, we got to move quickly to the Feast of Tabernacles. That's coming up in just three weeks. The high holidays start next week. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, then Sukkot, this festival and joy of the in-gathering and uh, of uh, the this vision of the Gentiles coming to worship God alongside the Jewish people in Jerusalem. What's on, going to be on the feast this year? Absolutely. First of all, let me say, uh, coming back to those demonstrations, when I was in Germany now, people say, well, we are afraid about the democracy of Israel. You see all those demonstrations. I say, exactly. People standing on the streets of, of Israel, demonstrating freely, it's alive and kicking like probably in no other country. I'm afraid about the democracy of Germany. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, the democracy, democracy in Israel, I think, is in no danger whatsoever. And what's happening next week, uh, David and Josh, we have a problem that is not caused by anybody in the government, but that is inflicted by the Christian support of Israel. We have two events where we start at the Sea of Galilee. We are running out of seats. People are registering in a bigger number than we expected. So we hope we can host all the people there. We have three nights in Jerusalem, the Pace Arena. 
We hope I don't want to steal the thunder. We have some big dignitaries coming to joining us, uh, showing the support for Jewish-Christian friendship in the Pace Arena. Uh, we will have amazing leaders from around the world. Enoch Adeboy, you know him personally, one of the great uh, supporters of Israel and, and apostolic leaders in Africa, they will be joining us. And uh, we are very proud we will take uh, a big delegation for most of those who stay for the whole feast. We take them down to the Gaza envelope. We will expose them also to the environment in this critical region, and they can show their support to Israel, but also they will witness the incredible resilience and optimism of this community that is so much under threat, but is still a thriving community, and they will witness that firsthand. We will witness the nature park of the ICJ. I'm not sure if you visited the ICJ nature park in the south. It is a phenomenal uh, development. So it will be an amazing feast. There are still a few seats available, especially in Jerusalem. If you still want to make your decision, more than welcome to join us. It will be an amazing time, but uh, yes, it will be a great time, David. Yeah, there is still time to come to our feast. It's the uh, 29th of September through the 6th of October here in Jerusalem, starting in the Galilee, then Jerusalem, and a, a trip to the Western Negev to stand in solidarity with the Israeli communities there that have been under fire for years mm-hmm. from rockets and terror militias in Gaza. But uh, please, if you can still uh, make it come, otherwise we're going to be online as well. We'll be live streaming the feast. You can join on our live stream platform that uh, you can even watch everything for weeks. Uh, I think it's through the end of January 2024, so you have several months to watch all the teachings, all the seminars, all the current affairs, briefings, and everything. We have incredible worship artists from Israel and around the world. We got an Israeli Kletzmer, uh, an Israeli-Ukrainian Kletzmer band, Josh, on Israeli guest night. That's that should be uh, very interesting. Well, there's also a very important point that you haven't mentioned. I mean, the, the Feast of Tabernacles is the largest tourism event in Israel, and it's something you guys have been doing that, that Israelis love and they've been waiting for. But this year is actually the 75th anniversary of Israel. So everyone's expecting this to be like all out, everything, uh, you know, bigger and better. We're really excited about the feast. And um, if there's a few tickets left, people better grab them up now because it's going to be a big one. And we are writing history. We I just talked to Finne from Fiji. We are expecting the first ever Fijian airway plane landing on Ben-Gurion airport. Wow. I come all the way with 250 delegates just from Fiji. Amazing. And we're going to have uh, big delegations uh, we're working on from Egypt and Turkey and some of these other countries in the region that haven't always been so... I think everyone's going to come out for the 75th anniversary. It's going to be a very big feast this year. So uh, make plans to join us in person. If you can't, go to feast.icej.org for more information or to register for the online feast. You can join us as well. You can make your appearance in Zion at this appointed time on our virtual platform. So thank you for joining us today for the ICJ webinar. We appreciate our our thanks again once uh, to Josh Reinstein, director of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus. Good to have you here, Josh. Always good to be on the show with you. Yeah, and, you with you and Jurgen, of course. And Jurgen, we got we got work to do. We still got a lot of feast planning. Let's go out. <laughs> God bless you. Shalom from Jerusalem. And uh, uh, we'll, let me remind you, we'll be next week, Thursday, 4 p.m. We'll be back here with a feast webinar 
to talk more about the Feast of Tabernacles. Join us then, 4 p.m. Israel time, next Thursday and the Thursday after, the, 20, the 14th and 21st of September. God bless you. God bless you.